Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that introduces you to some of the top talent in the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to No Password Required, a podcast dedicated to exploring the minds and personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Ernie Ferrisso, and with me, as always, is Jack Clabby, a cybersecurity attorney at Carlton Fields, PA in Tampa. On the podcast today, we will chat with Louis Neffenegger, the founder and CEO of Pentester Lab, a company that started as a small side project. Louis believes that there's only one way to properly learn web penetration testing by getting your hands dirty. Pentester Lab does that providing hands-on experiences that take their customers from zero all the way through to more advanced web vulnerabilities. Lewis, we look forward to a great conversation. But first, hello to my co-host, Mr. Jack Clabby. Jack, good day, good day, good day you, sir. Ernie, I've uh, got a chance to catch up with you this past weekend um, at a at a uh, youth rowing competition uh, that we were we were both we were both found ourselves at on probably the most beautiful day of the year. Um, uh, and, and just a good reminder for for why Florida is not only the center of cybersecurity for the United States, but also the center for really good. February uh, weather. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, so much so that you, for those of us that are watching the soon-to-be YouTube, you can see that I spent a fair bit of time out there with these lovely <laughs> racing stripes that I inherited. And if you really want to see, yeah, I am embodying the name Redneck. <laughs> I, um, I, you got a fair I bit of sun. I hastily applied sunscreen all over my uh, bald head and, and, uh, and upper half, but not to the sock line. And so the next day, the next day ah. I was uh, waiting at the side of another youth sporting event. And there was a young kid who pointed out to his dad that quote, something's wrong with that man's legs, close quote. And uh, <laughs> I felt like, That's I felt excellent. like I had lost, you know, any credibility when I tell my own children to, uh, to use sunscreen, but we've got something. No, yeah. no, no, listen that, you don't know that you, that you, you're, you have just, you, you are, uh, you've transcended into a new level of the dad game. Is it, are those socks with sandals? No, it's even better. It's a sock tan <laughs> line with sandals. That's a whole. That's a whole other level. Well, we've got something I think special today, Ernie. So let's let's see if we can get Rex uh, Rex on the line. Rex, are you? Uh, I think you've got something special today for us. I, I do. Thank you for that warm welcome, Mister Clabby. Uh, today we're going to have a bit of a game show because our Fearless leader is uh, is is moving on. Uh, he, he's still with Cyber Florida, but uh, he's he's just too darn busy uh, putting out fires to, to hang out with us uh, and goof off. So, uh, without further ado, welcome to Technologue Game Show Edition. I'm your host Rex Wilson. On today's show, we are going to celebrate. Our lead host and captain, Mr. Ernie Ferraresso. As the director at Cyber Florida, Ernie drives the strategic vision while overseeing the center's day-to-day operations. And because of his new responsibilities, this is his final show. I know it's sad, but there'll be plenty of time for tears later. Now it's time to celebrate this awesome guy and have some fun. Let's say hello to today's contestants. Serena, it says here that you are you have your own podcast. I do indeed. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> Jack, it says that you're a hotshot attorney over in Tampa. Uh, that that must be exciting. You know, it it, it is right. wonderful. <laughs> Devin, it says here you're a multimedia expert. Uh, that we're so All glad right. you're here. All okay, right. wonderful. Moving along, the rules are simple. I will ask a question that can only be answered with a number to each contestant one at a time. Each of you will give an answer, and the one closest to the actual answer that Mr. Ferraresso provided will get a point. The winner <laughs> will receive a copy of Phil Collins' Greatest Hits on CD. <laughs> Let's get started. Serena, we'll start with you. Okay. How many times has Ernie moved? How many times has Ernie moved? I'm going to go with 12. 
Mr. Clabby, how many times do you I'm believe go Bernie's moved? Seven. Seven times. Devin, how many times do you believe Ernie's moved? Devin, I want to hear. Devin, it's a it's an easy question. We got to unmute you, <laughs> Devin. All right, let's go with eight. Eight yeah. times went in the middle. Folks, we've got an exacto, as I like to call them. Ernie has moved oh. twelve times. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that is double points for Serena. She right leads. On the button. 2-0. <laughs> Next question. How many countries has Ernie visited? We'll start with Jack right. on this one. I'm going to go with 10. 10 countries. Devin, how many to- how many countries? Let's go with 8. Ooh. He likes the number eight, folks. <laughs> Serena, how many gonna, countries has Ernie visited? I'm going to go with 15. <laughs> the correct answer is a whopping 33 oh countries. Oh, and my Serena goodness. Hey, listen. <laughs> when, when, 3-0 lead. Hey, listen. When, when, when your job takes you around the world, you, you get to go to a lot of places. And these aren't... These do not include places where I, you know, changing planes in the airport. This is like That's real visits to. Wow. This is like this is like more than this is more than forty eight hours. In it makes years. sense. It makes sense right. that somebody with that kind of history would end up in a place as wonderful as Tampa, though. Ernie, that that to me, right? That's right. We, we we've talked about this a lot. You're a good example of what's so attractive about this place is that you can go everywhere, but you end up here because when you've seen everything, you know the benefits of a place like Tampa. That's right. Exactly. exactly. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for the pleasantries, Jack. Moving along. Devin, how many cups of coffee per day does Ernie drink? Everybody knows my affinity for a good cup of joe. Let's go with eight. <laughs> that number looks like a snowman. Let's go with. <laughs> Serena, to you, how many cups of coffee does Ernie drink per day? I'm going to go with 15 again. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That guy's got a lot of energy. I've seen you at the office. <laughs> I want to take the. I'm going to take the five. under. I'm going to go with five. And with that answer, Mr. Clabby's on the board with one. <laughs> the correct what? answer is four cups per day. Four he cups. just nurses them for like seven <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> nice. That's the Internet of Things. (laughs) 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 Next! Serena, this one's to you. How many pairs of shoes does Ernie currently own? Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to say three. Wow. Black, brown tennis shoes. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm It's either a low say. number or a very high number, because otherwise it wouldn't be like, <laughs> like a word. You know what I mean? Like It's just like sn- sneakers or, or, and, and boots, or, or it's like a crazy number, right? Like, I'm going to go with 20. <laughs> 20 the Imelda Marcos of, of uh, the, the cybersecurity community. <laughs> Devin. I think I'm going to go with eight. That's like a standard <laughs> number. Excellent answer. <laughs> I'm, bound to, I'm bound to hit. I just got to stay consistent. <laughs> so the, the correct answer is five, oh, which no. puts Serena with another point, which I believe... Makes it out of reach, but we'll see how Devin does on the triple next point. question. You know what? We'll do triple points. I like it. Let's... All right. The final collect uh, question will go to Jack first. How many tattoos does Ernie have? I'm going to go with one tattoo. And I, if we're going to count the, the giant screaming eagle along his back. <laughs> does that count as one? Uh, is that one? 
How many how many times were you in the chair for that one? What? No. I'm going with uh, uh Devin. Two. Ernie, give me a wink if it's eight. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Serena? I genuinely don't know this one. I'm just going to guess zero. And with that, Serena gets another exacto. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Serena, with eight points, when really only five were possible. Congratulations. This is the happiest moment of my life. (laughs) Well, we thank you all for playing. Serena, uh, since... Since there's no chance you would ever listen to any CD, specifically <laughs> Phil Collins' greatest hits, I'll just take you to lunch. Congratulations! Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I don't even think you have a. I don't even think you have a way to play a CD if one did actually show up. I don't want to call myself out, but I don't think that I do. <laughs> I, listen, I don't think I could if I had to at this point. Which I'm not even sure if my car has a CD player. When you were traveling in all those oh countries, Ernie, which Phil Collins song did you miss the most? I think that's probably. When you got that's back, did you one. listen to, um, to Face Value? So I think I would say, let's see. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. So I would say it was probably uh, Susu Studio because it, when I was in the Philippines, because they banned it there for some reason. It was banned. It, yeah, it was, it was strange. It was strange. <laughs> I, I, I was really I was surprised, shocked, and surprised that the, of all the songs they picked That's that one. Uh, if I was going to ban a Phil song, the Phil Collins song, now, I would have oh picked it. I'm sorry. The correct answer is Land of Confusion. <laughs> Land that's of Confusion. Oh, there, that's right. We found the old diaries. <laughs> the old shipboard that's right. diaries. I pulled them in. That's right. Land of Confusion. Good. Curse, curse these people. They don't know what they're missing. Er, Ernie, with all, your, with all your new free time from not having to record a cybersecurity uh, personality-based podcast for two to three hours each month, what, what, do you think you're going to further call down your shoe collection or will you use your time differently? Uh, well, I may pick up a, a, a tattoo right. or two while I'm doing that, you know. Or or uh, try to either expand the, the coffee consumption. I think eight. eight, eight. So, and, yeah, anything anything involving the number eight. eight. That's right. Increase everything to eight. Bring it all. Even bring it all Keep up. It consistent. You know. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, with that said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk to Lewis about his career path and what he considers Pentester Labs' greatest success. Looking for more no password required content. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at NoPasswordPod. All right, welcome back. Our guest is Louis Nipniger, the founder and CEO of Pentester Lab. Louis, welcome to No Password Acquired. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Louis, could, uh, you know, we, we know about your current role a little bit, but could you kind of walk the audience through um, your career path, sort of how you got to where you are now? So um, I started uh, fresh out of uni um, to work, uh, working in security. So I did like a two like master degree, one in security and one in computer architecture, like a lot of data mining, uh, what people call now artificial intelligence, but used to be called like data mining. And from that, um, I got a job in security. As, oh, first an internship where I did some uh, Windows kernel development. And then in the same company, I got a job doing security consulting. It was probably like 15 years ago. So but like pen testers, pen tester wasn't really a job at the time. You were doing a bit of, cons- of pen testing, but you were mostly like a security consultant because you were doing code review audit and everything. And after like a few years doing that, I decided to move uh, from France to Australia. And that's where I got a job as a pen tester. And I keep working and working. Then I moved to work for another company doing just code review. And at the same time, I start um, doing training at uh, the local conference, RoxCon. And I worked because I was really passionate about sharing. And like, I think it's, 
like something I really enjoyed doing. And at the same time, it's something that really helped me grow as a person. I think you learn a lot by seeing how people think and how they learn new things. And I really enjoy that part. And I end up with like all this training material like to create for the conference to do the training. And it's like, it was two days of training. So like a lot of labs and a lot of slides and everything. And I was like, ah, I'm not doing much with that. I'm just doing like one training a year or two trainings a year. And I'm like, ah, I probably should do more. And I decided to like put it online and create a training platform online. And that was probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And that's how Pentester Lab started. And nowadays I'm like, um, I spend a lot of time uh, doing that Pentester Lab and my uh, and a normal job. Okay. Uh, I worked like uh, for the local, like uh, Australia Post. I worked for uh, banks. I worked for uh, a smartwatch company. And after a while, it was too much to do both. So I just like moved to full time working for Pentestalab. When did you like, what was that like when you begin to realize that the side project could become its own thing? Uh, that's, that's scary. Like, uh, <laughs> You know, it's easy to have like a paycheck <laughs> and you get, you do your job, you get your pay. You still have risk like to get laid off and stuff like that, but it's kind of easy. You don't have to think about bringing money. It kind of uh, comes. <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like there's a really subtle difference between like your own business and being employed by someone else in terms of like, you still have to do the work. You still can lose everything, but it's like very different. And people tell you what to do, or at least um, the environment tell you what to do. Where like when you start working on your own like that, you need to like think about everything. And like, and if tomorrow there is no Pentester Lab, like, yeah, like need to get back to a normal job and things like that. So yeah, it's a bit scary, but it was surprising. Like, when I used to joke, like when I realized that the Pentester Lab was a pizza, as in it can feed a family of five, <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> that's awesome. That was a, like yeah, <laughs> a pretty like big change in my life. Yeah, that's that's your metric, is yeah. Yeah. Can I can I can I feed a family of five? That was like a pizza. Like like it shows up at your house when somebody else calls. I mean, is that <laughs> like that? Oh, I get it. <laughs> Good. So when. How long did that take? I mean, when when did you just a scale a time that you from the hey I started this and now boom was that like you know, decades or just a few months years? So um, so a bit of a long story. So I started Pentestalab like ten years ago, but I started as something where I was selling a PDF and an ISO. So basically, just the training lab I was using, and and then it didn't work for like six months. I didn't get many clients and I got impatient and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing that to share it. I'm not doing that to make money. So I decided to make everything free. And I did that for maybe five years. Mm. And after a while I started having kids and then you're like, Ooh, do I spend my Sunday morning with my kids doing stuff or do I spend it doing support for people on the internet? Yeah. And I realized like, oh, okay, I need to make money out of it if I want to keep just doing it. Even if it's just like go on a date with my wife and Pentesalat pays for the restaurant or it's uh, just like having something back. So I start doing, uh, oh, first I tried to do a, a pro version and I failed. And then I tried again a year later mm. and it started, I, I, I made it. And then I had a few clients and it started growing really, really fast. Okay. And even if, so I kept my job uh, working, like uh, doing code review, pen tests and everything because I really liked it. And the team I was working with was amazing. But after a while, it was just like too much. Like I had like three kids and a full-time job and a project that was getting bigger and bigger. So, but I think like, so I think I kept going for two years, two years and a half. But after, I think after a year, it was, it was probably, uh, good enough in terms of how many pizza it was bringing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I could have stopped before, but I really liked what I was doing and I'm not a big risk person, I guess. 
No, that's yeah. It's it's that uh, decades long overnight success type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We sometimes talk about you know, the hard skills that a pen tester might have, but there's also some soft skills that are important to yep. you. What do you think the most important soft skills um, are for a great pen tester? So I think uh, first I prefer meta skills. I like that because soft skills make, yeah, that's make good. them look like weak. <laughs> yeah, and I like good. Like, I'm with you, man. Yeah. That's that's actually fantastic because that's I yeah. I'll just leave it at that because you're exactly correct. I don't know how many times. Oh, this, this is one of these soft scientists, one of these soft skills. What? Like, uh, yeah, like cotton candy soft or, you know, oh, no, sorry. Uh, no, no. That's, uh, I think empathy is really the thing that you need to work in security. And for plenty of reasons, you need to understand uh, what uh, mistake people will do, will make. Like you need to, because that's where you're going to find bugs, right? You need to find, uh, you need to know how to uh, explain vulnerabilities to people. So you need to have this empathy to realize like, uh, to word things properly for them. Because sometimes you're going to talk to a business owner. Sometimes you're going to talk to a developer. So you need this empathy to understand, like, uh, to make yourself understandable by other people. And I think it's also like, yeah, in terms of like what shortcuts are people going to take if they're busy in their job. So you're going to see like, okay, this is what someone else will do. So there's probably a bug here, a vulnerability that I can, I can look for. And that really helps. And I think that's probably the most important skill because once you got that, bugs are just like jumping at you oh, wow. because you know exactly where to look for. <laughs> this, can, does Pentester Labs help encourage the growth of those meta skills? Like, is there a way you can teach those skills? Uh, I try to, uh, like empathy is hard to, to, to teach online. I try to, uh, get people to realize like why things are done a certain way, uh, and why it's a background, like why people are doing that one thing instead of another. Uh, I like as well teach a more, um, engineering focused approach to security. Okay and look at uh, problems as technical problems instead of just like, uh, instead of just like, oh, it's magic. Like you just run that command and bang, you got a shell, like trying to, and that's part of it, I think. But yeah, uh, like trying to explain like why bugs are here and just like not, oh, developers are stupid. They like make that, they made that mistake. No, there is a reason they made that mistake. Maybe the API is not clear. Maybe they didn't have enough time. It's tough, to, I think, to teach online uh, how to walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins. That's a, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. And and I I think you like you said when you when you talk about thinking about trying to understand not so much uh, that the 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 vulnerability of the problem exists. It's just kind of the why it's there and how did it get in there? Uh, it can you go with the basically assuming that somebody there was some intentionality behind that, uh, and and typically it's not. Uh, they were endeavoring to create a vulnerable system which could be <laughs> exploited by the future. It was probably, hey, I've got to rush to do this because of X, Y, and Z, or, and I, and I don't have the answers here, so we, we got to do something. And what is that? And then you can, if you, if you get it, if, yeah, if you, that's that, that's that, uh, it's almost the having the, the quote, uh, the attacker mindset or the hacker criminal mindset, but almost in reverse, having the, the developer and designer mindset of why somebody's trying to do it. And then you can start to see the different, like you said, where all the problems exist because of the challenges that they're facing and trying to uh, get their product out the door. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can you, um, Louis, can you tell us a little bit about your hobbies and, you know, in particular, why some of the value of having hobbies that you might not be as good at as you are at your day job? <laughs> so I'm very, Oh, I'm not unlucky. I think it's, I'm lucky in a way that I have two hobbies that I really, really love and I'm terrible <laughs> at them, like very bad, like, and they, but they are like, they have a stiff learning curve, curve. like I'll, I, I surf and I play chess and I'm terrible at both. I was going to say, and, I hope, I hope one of them wasn't juggling chainsaws because I don't know if I <laughs> want you to be bad at that while you're practicing that. But, exactly. But, yeah. Surfing, huh? So wait, it's like, 
you, you you're surfing, you know, the big waves down under. Cause I, I want to say yeah. that's, um, that's where, uh, what was his name? Bodie from point break. That's where he ended up. Uh, he ended up, you know, surfing the big one, surfing off into the beyond there. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I went to that, uh, to, uh, I went there actually up, um, uh, I don't remember the name of the beach, but yeah. And I think like, it's like, the thing is that when you bad at something, you understand like what people coming like from like the beginner mind, uh, like what the beginner mindset when they look at something new. Mm. And, uh, for example, when I started Pentestal Lab, when I started, I was like, I don't see, uh, the value of videos to teach people because for me, I hated learning security or learn new things in security via videos because it was like too much time wasted to like a few nuggets of information. And because I was doing that for, I've been doing that for a long time, but if you are at home and no one can show you how to do like very simple thing, the value of video, like you need videos to see like these basic things like, oh, how I'm using that tool, how I'm using that, what, uh, even like copy pasting some little tricks. Uh, I don't know, something I do, for example, when I uh, access a URL with a payload before hitting enter, I always copy paste or copy the URL. So if I get redirected or something like that, I still have it in my, uh, in my, uh, I can still paste it somewhere else. And all these things, I think if I wasn't bad at surfing and I wasn't bad at looking at how people play chess or looking at, I wasn't bad at chess, I wouldn't realize like what beginners really, really need to be able to learn. Okay. And yeah. That's right. It's surfing. So, you know, back to that, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta get all kind of Zen on you here. Um, cause one thing I've always, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, by the water, I, I, I've surfed twice, twice. Okay. And I, and I actually got to, I actually stood up once. Um, but because you're, because you're in Florida, right? Well, yeah, yeah, actually, that's a whole other story. Yeah, because, you know, the, <laughs> people talk about, oh, the surfing community. It's not, it's not yeah. And, and anybody tells you they surf on the Gulf Coast, that's a complete total. <laughs> but no, but I actually spent a fair bit of time in Hawaii. Um, okay. And so I got to see that. But as a kid, I grew up in the, in the Northeast, up in New England, and a lot of, spent a lot of time on the water, not necessarily surfing. But, uh, you know, we had a little, one of those little single person sailboats. And part of what I think doing anything on the water gets you to to realize is that there's so much stuff that you can't control. And that if you're trying to get to a certain spot, oftentimes you can't just go straight to that spot. You gotta and and there's a lot of things that you gotta you gotta take a roundabout way. You gotta and like if you're surfing and there's no waves, then you're not surfing. But you can get what are you gonna do? Get mad at the waves? I mean, come on. You know, or some days you're just going to be a good wave. And yet, so there's, it's, I think it's that it provides that, like I said, that Zen thing of, okay, yeah, hey, listen, this is what it is. I can get mad at this, but it ain't going to, that's not going to help, uh, you know. So yeah. I just think that's pretty good. And I think it's interesting when you mentioned about the chess, because um, they're almost, they're two um, almost opposite ends of it. You know, surfing is, it's very, like you said, there's, it's so, the, the realm of complexity. It's just so many different things that can happen that you, you can't predict. Whereas chess, it's very rule-based and very regiment. So that's it. That, uh, so, I mean, why, why the contrast? Why chess and surfing? I don't know. I can't explain it. I think I get, uh, so chess is really interesting. I think you can learn a lot about, um, like as a teacher, you can learn a lot from how people teach chess and apply it to teaching uh, info, information security, mm. uh, especially like uh, more like pen testing slash hacking, because you got like, it can like the mindset is similar, the way you need to repeat things to like keep, uh, improve your understanding, the way that like chess is really simple, like once you get the rules, it's really simple, but on paper, then it's amazingly yeah. hard and complex. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, security is the same way, like kind of an onion. Like you can get the basic of something and it's really simple, but then if you keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, it's getting more and more complex. And I think that's like, and yeah. And I don't know like why I love both those hobbies, but 
Yeah, I think it's a good thing as well with surfing is that you can't have like a laptop or a, a phone yeah. next to you when you're in the water. <laughs> yeah. And that really well, helps. Well, I think the other thing with, with surfing along those is, and if while you're surfing, if if you're not focused on surfing, you're you you just it's not gonna it's not gonna happen for you because yeah. you don't, yeah you don't if you're not paying attention to what's going on and you're not you know worried about you, you it's, and that's that's almost one of those again that that forced meditative state that it, yeah. you gotta you gotta come in on all present here because otherwise. Otherwise, it's not going to be too pretty good. No, yeah. You're going to drink a lot of water. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, the other part I would add, so down in Australia, um, you know, what about this? There's a, there's, certain, a, there's a huge element of risk involved there. I mean, what, so between the sharks, uh, I don't know if you're in the crocodile area, and then, of course, the box jellyfish. I mean, these are all things yeah. that there is no, there's no half measures here. It's either you see them and they kill you, or you see them and they don't, that's it. I mean, there is yeah. no, there's no in between. Um, so does that. Uh, uh... So I don't have much uh, jellyfish where I am. It's like a lot more north. So. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got the cold. You either got like warm water and more sharks and more jellyfish or cold water and less shark and less jellyfish. So I'm more like uh, a cold, like I'm like I'm south, so it's where it's colder. Yeah. And uh, so I don't like there isn't much risk and shark like like you probably have more chance to get uh, hit by a car driving or going there than being bitten by a shark. So like you always hear about it when there is one attack and you don't hear about car accidents. Yeah. But yeah, it's well of course again down there in Australia you got more chance of being bitten by a. Uh, a funnel web spider or uh, one of those, what are they called? Some sort of the, the, the death snake. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 yeah that, like, this is oh, my, this is my, uh, you know, parochial Americanisms. And everything snake. down there kills you. Everything. And, and everything yeah. that shouldn't be able to kill you kills you. That's crazy. I mean, these are like, the snake has a power to kill you. What's it going to, yeah. the snake's like, it's not, it's not like it's a 14 foot long, you know, size of bat. It's, it's just a snake sized snake. Why do, they, yeah. why do they need to kill me? I mean, why? <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, but, so, how did you get interested in cybersecurity? Speaking of speaking of deadly snakes. Okay. Speaking. Of, yeah. uh, basically, I went to engineering school, and I wanted to be like uh, a Linux embedded system uh, engineer. No, but you got to back and, up. Hold on, Louis. You got to back up before that. <laughs> how, how do you get the dream to become a Linux embedded security engineer? Right. Where, like, did did you yeah. start? I don't know. When you were a kid, were you playing with computers? Um, how did you not, get to it in the really. first way? In the first place, I really like. I started really late. Like, uh, like I had a computer around like ten or twelve, but I spent my time like playing Prince of Persia. And, classic, by the way, classic. St still, yeah. still good. Good today as it ever was. Yeah, it's a book uh, by the author of Prince of Persia. is really good, actually. Wow, and. Uh, yeah, I just like didn't do, and then I started like one day like learning HTML to like look at creating a website. It was like uh, probably 1999, so like the big dot com boom and things like that. And I kept going. I started learning C, TCP/IP, and then got it to like compiling a Linux kernel. And I was like, oh, that's really fun. I want to do that all the time. Like do that. And I went to engineering school. And I met people who were into security and I realized like, you know what is even cooler than building things? It's building and breaking them. And I started learning more and more security. And then I started, yeah, I started doing like a master degree just in security to be more specialized. And then I kept going, I guess. <laughs> So that's the Prince of Persia going in to steal all that stuff. And, yeah. and then and then they get out, get out clean and on to the next one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Part of your journey was, was at the smartwatch company. 15 years ago, if you were in a professional setting, everybody would have like a, you know, a, a mechanical watch, like a piece of jewelry, right? Yeah. On. And now I was at a meeting with a group of, I think it was eight lawyers were sitting around at dinner on Thursday night, this past Thursday night. And... I was thinking about this and I think six of the eight had a smartwatch of one form or another. 15 years ago, you never would have no. had that happen. So they're just so ubiquitous. What, what was it like 
being in security when, when these products were really taking off? It was really, really like, uh, it was an amazing learning experience. I think like, uh, when you have like been doing security for a while, you know, the answer, it's more like, like putting the right recipe in front of the right person. So they do the right thing. And when you arrive in the smartwatch or like every, like any most IOT things, uh, you have constraints that you didn't have before. So you start like someone wants to do some security and you usually come back and say, okay, we're going to do some crypto here. We're going to use that algorithm. And they're like, uh, sorry, we don't have that. We can't do that. Like we don't have MD5. Not that it's a good algorithm, but like we don't have SHA2. And it's like, okay, uh, that's interesting. What do you have? So what do you have? So what do we have? Uh, we have we have this highlighter. It's very yeah, nice. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, no, that, but it's not what we wow. need. So like, you say like, yeah, okay, yeah, we only have IES. So the only crypto we can do is IES. Okay. So you need to rethink everything you learned before and like, re like find new ideas, find new ways of doing the same thing with just one algorithm. And then that's one problem. But then you're like, okay, we did some good security, but the problem is that the, the battery now, thanks to this good security, only lasts one day instead of five. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> yeah. So you need to rethink and you need to find like the right balance between like uh, what you can do and what uh, if you like, what's the best thing you can do security wise and what is good enough to find the balance between battery uh, and what you have on the device. And yeah, that's really, really interesting. What do you, I mean, knowing what you know about the internet of things and, and what you see day to day, mm -hmm. are you terrified for the future? Like, do, do you think security can keep up with all the different devices that are now being made in a connected way? Or do you think that security is gonna always lose that battle? I think the problem is that it's re, it's like a really big space. So it depends. Like if you buy something like a device on eBay or like at the $2 shop, like obviously the security and not going to be great. But if you like, it's, it's like when people talk about uh, PHP website, uh, Facebook is written in PHP and like, but you also have like people writing their first line of code in PHP. So the security is really like different between those uh, two things. And it's the same thing for IoT. Like you have some, like um, an Apple Watch is a pretty good device security wise, but if you buy like uh, at a corner shop, like a, a smartwatch, obviously the security will probably not be the okay. same. So it's so vague, so big that, so vast, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and for security, like people who have the budget, do it. People who don't have the budget and the time don't necessarily do it. And yeah, it, that's a risk you take as a consumer, I guess. I was like, I, I uh, installed a new printer last week and we, in our house and I had been shopping for a wired printer. Cause I was like, I, what do I need a wireless printer for? <laughs> Every time I'm printing, I'm going to be standing next to the printer, taking the thing that I just printed right off the printer. Like I don't need to be in the next <laughs> town over printing things. I need to be right by. The printer, why do I have a wireless printer in the first place? And it was a, it was a debate that I lost within the family. And we have a wireless printer now. And I was trying to set it up security-wise. But I was like, wireless printers outsell wired printers now like 50 to 1. Whereas, you know, yeah. the average user doesn't need, doesn't need a wireless printer, right? Because, you know, their computer sits next to where their printer is in their home office. Like, they're right next to each other. Have a cable. This is an exit. This is Jack Clabby taking us back in time. I bet, you, I bet you don't even have a TV remote. You get up, I turn that knob myself. Plus, I, I use my calories. This, yeah. That's look at that. You get your steps in, right? You know. But what? How do you measure the success? I mean, in terms of the mission of Pentester Labs, like what do you think has been its greatest success in, in the work that it does? Uh so I think like uh, when people email me saying like, oh, I got a job thanks to Pentester Lab or things like that. But so when I moved to Australia, I had to um, demonstrate it, but I was a skilled migrant. Okay. Uh, so to do that, you show your diploma, you show like what you're doing for work, you do 
and everything because we got a list of people like that they are looking for like a list of skill set they are looking for and it's easier to get in the country if you have one of those skills and as part of that so i had to show my diploma and recently someone contacted me on twitter telling me that they moved to germany and they used what they learned uh, and the certificate they got from Pentester Lab to uh, migrate and to get their visa there as, uh, to demonstrate their skills. And that was pretty special for me, I think. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, like I said, changing somebody's life right there. That's right. That's, you know, really making a difference. That's pretty good. Well, thank you, Louis. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, we'll have our lifestyle polygraph. So please stay with us, everyone. You're listening to the No Password Required podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Louis, are you ready for the lifestyle polygraph? Yes, I am. All right. So typically, the lifestyle polygraph is administered by the United States government to those seeking positions with access to some of the nation's greatest secrets. But here, we use a similar approach just to find out a little bit more about our guests. And so here we have a series of five questions. And here's the first one. These are very difficult questions. Oftentimes, uh, our guests are made very uncomfortable. Some, uh, some have actually cried. Some have, have uh, refused to answer. So we'll start here again. Here's the first one. What is your favorite on-site pen testing story? Uh, so, oh, once upon a time, I did uh, a pen test, and uh, we managed to compromise some developer workstation using uh, VNC, and so we could see their screen, <laughs> and they were playing uh, TetriNet, which is uh, a network version of Tetris. <laughs> And so I decided to install Tetrinet on my laptop and start playing with them. Nice. And nice. They, they, freaked out, they freaked out and just stopped Tetrinet and they went back to work. <laughs> okay. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. They just put All the right. original Tetris on the Nintendo Switch console. And so a whole generation of kids in, uh, across the world have found the original Game Boy version of Tetris. Maybe not the original, but the, certainly the Game Boy version of Tetris. So, you know, I, I've come downstairs a couple of times in my house recently and I've heard the music playing. You recognize that, that music <laughs> anywhere, right? Yeah. So I've had a couple of late nights. I'm like, I'm going to get 100 lines. I'm going to get 100 lines. And then I got to just going to do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Another five uh, minutes. And you, you just got to be careful when you say, I'm going to get 100 lines in. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I could go, you just, yeah. It's just. <laughs> Context is different things to different folks. That's right. Exactly. All right. Here we are. Question number two. Question number two. All right. Yeah. How does your fascination with how things work make you a better security engineer? Your fascination with how things work and how does that make you a better security engineer? So I think it comes down to, um, and a friend like, uh, like was hiring and explaining it is like some people look, take an application and look for bugs. Some people take an application, understand how it works and then find bugs. And I think that's key to find good bugs or better bugs. Instead of jumping to the bug finding parts, understanding like really what is going on, how things work, how they're put together. And you find bugs that uh, not a lot of other people may find because they are in a hurry to find the bugs instead of spending the time to find like the good stuff. Does the, does a yeah. good pen tester, Louis, do they have access to other information about how it works? They're not just looking at the code and figure out what is the purpose of this thing. They're going to gather information from other sources about what, yeah. what the nature of what they're looking at is, I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
It depends on the client, but most of the time, if you're part of an internal team, it pays off to spend like an hour talking to the people developing the application and saying, like, okay, how, how does that work? Like, and even like, I often got that. Like, you talk to people and say, like, where do you think I'm going to find bugs? And they tell you, like, oh, you should definitely look there. Because... <laughs> That's awesome. Which, yeah, which window of the house doesn't have a lock? You can just tell me because then we don't Oh, exactly. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we ran out of time like, in the back. Oh, yeah. It's almost getting in. That's right. Like, security doesn't have to be adversary, right? Like, you got, I guess, the good guys and the bad guys, but when you're like pen testing a company, you're not fighting against them. You're here to help them, right? So, yeah. If you, like and for them it's more probably more budget more time or like yeah that's a really great point louis because i think there is yeah. that out there in the security community that the goal of the pen tester is adverse to the developer and i like your way of thinking which is hold on here it's adverse to the bad guy who's going to try to get in this later or it's going to be adverse to mistakes i like this idea of they can be collaborative because they're still coming from the same place it's more like an auditor in that in that way than than an adversary exactly yeah no, I think that's, that's, and, you know, and just like you're saying, Jack, that's typically when somebody, you talk to somebody about a pen test, they're, they're in it to, you know, they're, they're, they're the folks that are coming in with the, you know, their dark sunglasses on and yeah, we're going to, we're going to show these guys what's up. And as opposed to hi, yeah, we actually want to try to make your, your organization better, not, not embarrass your team. Um, no, that's excellent. All right, here we go. Number three. Why do you consider Pentester Labs a family business? And you uh, can't use the term pizza. And we cannot okay. refer ah, to the pizza. Ah, I don't know then. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's actually like, first, it's pretty small. And I think there are something. So what we do is um, when people uh, join Pentester Lab, we send them stickers for free just as a welcome gift and it's a really good marketing trick. And uh, what we do, like when I, so we put like, I, someone needs to put the stickers in the envelope and everything. And I do that with my kids. They love doing that. And they think I got the best job in the world because my job is to send stickers. To <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know, I, my job's similar to that sending stickers to people except it's not like it at all and i and, it, and it, i get very little joy from just any <laughs> my job is sending emails to people okay it's not there's just nothing like it there are a lot of water bottles in my house though that have cyber florida and no password required stickers on it though ernie and rex that's so. true that's true so there is yeah there is there's an el the small from. element of stickers a larger element than, than it's zero but not not all the way yeah up there. not all the way up so you mentioned that uh, you know you have your your kids and your family putting uh, helping you out with some of the, uh, the the quote onboarding, if you will, by sending out the stickers. So you function. This is question number four. You function in many roles at Pentester Lab, including customer support. How do customers react when they find out the CEO is helping helping them troubleshoot an issue? Uh, so some people get like a lot of people get very surprised and uh some people even like talk to me like um not in the nicest way and then they realize who they're talking to and they're like oh sorry i thought it was just customer support and i and what's your point like <laughs> yeah like don't be a jerk right like, yeah. <laughs> one would think, yeah exactly you shouldn't be a jerk yeah it's pretty straightforward <laughs> like but uh I think it's really good. Like, it's kind of, I think it helps me improve uh, Pentester Lab because you know what people won't get. And that's, again, back to this empathy is like, that helps me understand how people learn and then I can improve the content, like more content, more video explaining, more tricks. And because, yeah, back to, again, developer, uh, beginner mindset, you don't necessarily know what other people don't know. Yeah. And I think doing customer support really helps you with that because you can see if it's just one person who doesn't get it, 200 people, 2,000 people, and you adjust your content oh, wow. based on that. All right, here's the number five question. 
this this one here um is interesting there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh references that can be made uh, coming and goings from this one i'm just gonna throw it out there and we'll see where it goes number five can you talk about how you compete with a younger version of yourself how you compete Ooh. with a younger version of yourself because I want to say Bruce Willis has actually done this in a couple of movies, and I think Will Smith has as well. Uh, so definitely not not with hair. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, that's, uh, I, I, you talk about empathy. I think Jack, you, got, you can feel that one, right? Hair yeah, on my head. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think uh, you learn to uh, work on the important stuff where when you're young, you can go like to, yeah, when you're young, you have like plenty of time. You can go down like all the rabbit holes you can find and stuff like that, where when you get older, you probably got less time and you get more focused on the important things, or at least do the important things first and then go through the rabbit holes. Yeah, I think managing priorities probably like is a good way to compete with a younger version of yourself. And also yeah. experience, like you know where the bugs are going to be. <laughs> As I can see that, I, 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 I'm not sure I recall how either of those stories ended, but I have to believe it was the, the older and wiser person that, that just got the drop <laughs> on the, the younger kid who was too busy following up, going down one of them rabbit holes. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, it appears you survived that, and you didn't. You don't look too traumatized. So I think I, I think we're good. So, but. Uh, Louis, thank you very, very much uh, for taking time out and joining us today. Uh, if uh, our listeners would like to connect with you, how, how can they do that? How can they find you? So um, Twitter uh, or email, louis at pentastolab.com. Twitter uh, at sniff, S-N-Y-F-F, like uh, last letter of Louis and first letters of my last name. Oh, pen, at Pentesolab on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. All right. That brings us to the end of this program. Thank you for joining us. First and foremost, I have to thank my co-host, Jack Clabbing. And thank you to our guest, Louis Neffenegger, who, if you happen to be in Melbourne, you can catch him hanging tan on the brakes as he's the Johnny Utah of cybersecurity. So remember, rate and review and subscribe to the No Password Required podcast. You can find us on social media at No Password Pod. And I'm Ernie Ferreso. Thank you so much for listening. And I'd like to say we'll talk again soon, but you won't be able to talk to me. You'll be talking to my other friends. Just want to say thanks, everybody, for being part of the show. It's been a great time, and I've really enjoyed doing it. Doing it. And, you know, if you're ever interested, you can still find me at uh, Cyber Florida. So subscribe to that website, and, we'll, well, you'll talk to somebody else real soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Second Watch. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit our website at cyberflorida.org slash pod. And if you still need more show content, check out our social media at No Password Pod.